Hey everyone, welcome to The Way of the Femme. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm a licensed clinician, clinical supervisor, and feminist adventure therapist. And I'm Stephanie, a fitness professional and life coach, working on healing humans from the inside out. I specialize in behavioral life coaching and physical health and wellness. We're healers representing a diversity of disciplines, experience, and perspectives. We're both queer femmes, and together we represent the way of the femme. Just a heads up, this podcast isn't intended for individual treatment, so if you need it, please seek professional support specific to your life. Alrighty, hello everyone. We are sitting here for another episode I'm super excited about. Um, this week's been crazy for me. What about what about you, Amy? Yeah, it seems like every week's been crazy for a while. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. More major changes at work and mm-hmm. uh, in life. Mm-hmm. More in life. More since we met last week mm-hmm. to record. <laughs> I know. A lot is going on. You are... Um, well, I remember I was telling you about um, the restaurant right across the way over here we were talking to the owner and she was saying that this is the year of the rabbit in oh, like yeah. um asian culture i mm-hmm. hope i'm not you know diluting this horribly but this is the year of the rabbit so everything like is multiplying um and like there's luck in this year with the lucky uh rabbit's foot everything's multiplying you're busy kind of shuffling around doing stuff and like for you, like watching from outside, you guys are just like multiplying. Like that's what I yeah. see with your with your inner circle. It's just like this rapid increase of life. That uh, seems accurate. Yeah, I'm taking on more at work, and then starting my private practice, mm-hmm. and then you know we've got this podcast, and then some um, some. I don't know, you a real estate related shit yeah. going on, which is totally foreign to me, but my uh-huh. partner who finally gave me permission to reveal their name, um, oh. Angel, uh, is kind of taking on more of that than I am, but it's still a lot. And then the boat needs a lot of work and yeah. that's like a part-time job right now too. And, um, I guess that's kind of the big stuff that <laughs> pops into my mind, but yeah, there's it's very, my mind feels kind of scattered. Yeah. I feel scattered and it's the beginning of the year too. So it's like, don't fuck it up. Like that's how I'm all, we got to get this right. <laughs> it is set a good precedent. For yes. The year. Yes. Yeah. Um, with the being the year of the rabbit, which isn't necessarily an auspicious year for me because I was born in the year of the rat and it's not, but I can, I, I definitely have the vibe that it's like, uh, yeah, that kind of fertility, creativity mm-hmm. oriented. Rabbits are known for fertility, obviously. Right. Fucking like rabbits. <laughs> and, um, which is which is akin or related to or connected with creativity. So like mm-hmm. that, your sacral chakra, right. and that, that energy. And I do feel like there's a lot of creativity going on in my life. There is. I feel like that's what I see too. And with mine too. Like I'm dialing back but in that is an immense amount of having to re-innovate a lot of things that we have done in the past too so that requires creativity and new perspective and flexibility and blah 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 you know so it just that can be a lot for the brain to kind of uh just get used to change the amount of change that we're both going to have here in a minute yeah but it has been really good my guy my apologies guys (laughs) my 
watch is never on. Yeah, Mars just went direct. A couple of months of Mars being retrograde, and we're still in the middle of Mercury being retrograde. Okay. So uh, I think by the time we release this episode, we will be uh, Mercury direct. But right now, still Mercury retrograde, and I'm looking forward to it going <laughs> direct. Yeah, it feels like, you know, some of those Mercury-related hiccups have been going on. Literal hiccups from you this morning. Mm-hmm. Financial shit. We were just talking about things yeah, just Yeah, waiting of, for our money to come in. Right. Like, things just kind of taking a little bit more time than what we want. Yeah, it's a good practice, though, and patience and mm-hmm. present moment awareness. Yeah. That future tripping. Radical acceptance for minding what you can and cannot change, you know. Yeah, um, but it's been good. A lot of good stuff is going on, and we're excited to be here for another episode. We have another awesome interview from another awesome human. Yeah, and this is, you know, timely, and of course it makes sense that we interviewed somebody with this issue given that it's winter time. So this person, and you'll get to hear from them, they share that uh, they are feeling depressed and um, unmotivated to exercise, even though they know exercise would help them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're talking kind of seasonal effective, but of course the the general ideas that we're going to reference apply to any depression, any need for exercise. So um, right now, though, is we're in the heart of winter. Is it Imblick? Um. I don't know. I know we are in the heart of winter. It's like we've already gone through a little bit of time with it being cold. And now we still have like pretty much equal amount of time, right? Like where you are in the middle of it. But you know, the thing about it is it really warm here too. Like yesterday was 65. It was so nice. Granted the day before that was like horrible with winds of gusts up to 50 miles per hour. But the day before that, it was like 65 degrees with zero clouds, zero wind, or the day after was zero clouds, zero wind. Um, but we can kind of get at this time, just get real antsy and real um, anticipating of good weather to go outside and get out of our hibernation. But the green, the new life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The cycle. Yeah. So do you want to just play this clip and, yeah. and um, we'll talk about it in a moment. I guess, like, recently I've just been, like, so depressed that I can't exercise, which I obviously am aware is making me more depressed. Yeah. But then, like, him is kind of like, how do you break out of that cycle? Well, I, hear, I totally resonate, but this is more your, your wheelhouse. Yeah, so I'm a personal trainer, too. I've been a trainer for 10 years, and so... A lot of what you're talking about is more, and I always like to tell my clients this because we, as well, a lot of us, will try to figure out why. Why am I not working out? What is the issue? Why can't I get to the gym? And we put a lot of energy into trying to figure out, like, an, like a identifying thing or a big reason of what it was, well, I mean, you know? I, yeah, I think it's definitely, like, a multiplicity of reasons. Mm-hmm. Like just sort of compounding. Yeah, like you're fucking then, exhausted yeah, every day. Just and it's just crying. cold and dark, and then I feel shitty that I haven't been exercising, so I'm like, fuck it. Right. And yeah. so, and that's what, and so we can get really, really kind of caught up in the emotional part of why we're not doing something that's good for us. Yeah. 
but really when it boils down to is that you're just not in the habit. Yeah, totally. And if you could take out all of the emotional responses of not going to the gym and just be like, I need to get there and make it... Because we blame ourselves for why we're not doing something. Yeah. And really, it's just not part of your daily routine, you know? Um, so if I had to tell somebody how to get back on the wagon, it's literally one fucking day at a time. Yeah. And it's the habit that's not concrete for you. It's not anything else. Because like you said, there's so many factors of why. Like you're tired, you woke up late, you have to go to work, you don't feel good, it's cold outside. Yeah. The sun's up. It's Saturday. I could come up with all kinds of fucking reasons why not to go to the gym, but it's literally just the, the act of going. So if, if you can, like, just kind of go and, like, walk in the fucking gym, and I would tell my clients, I don't even care what you do. If you just go watch television and then leave for five minutes, the behavior of going... And then leaving. That's and going. What I, that's what I. If I'm and not feeling leaving. like going on a run, like I run twice a week. Yeah, I don't usually. go to the gym. I just oh, okay. like I ride my bike. Or like oh, okay. I go on walks, so I'm like I'm gonna. Yeah. Even walking is like hard. Well, it's right cold. Now. Yeah. Like, I don't so have to just go like yeah. just to you know like committing to going around the block, yeah. and then once you kind of have that blood pumping, a few more then endorphins in your fine. systems, yeah. and yeah. yeah, then you kind of yeah. fall on that momentum. It's really it's really just the habit and the behavior and like trying to set like small things like okay I'm just going to do 10 squats at home right and just get in the habit like Tuesday at 12 o'clock 10 squats and what you can build off of a foundation once it's like that but try not to like think it has to be this huge grandiose thing just one small act that you're mindful that you're doing totally will will help and you you mentioned depression and um, you know if you are on psychotropic meds different oh, yeah. antidepressants yeah. right so when I was on Lexapro I couldn't do shit I wanted so to sleep for I'm on Wellbutrin which is mm. like I'm on Wellbutrin yeah. too and, and it's I mean I used way to better. a lot of energy from being on Wellbutrin and now I just feel like I've like sort of tapped that <laughs> yeah I sort of adjusted <laughs> yeah yeah um, I, I'm on Paxil I'm not on Wellbutrin but because they I put people on Wellbutrin for weight loss often because it's supposed to be like get y'all jazzed up <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, they switched it for me because I have inflammatory bowel stuff, and so SSRIs really fuck with your gut oh, yeah. in a way. But I've loved it. Like I, well, and yeah, also yeah, just you know checking in with the prescriber if your meds aren't working for you. I'm pretty hesitant to switch at this point. Yeah, it's, it's fine. We're good. <laughs> we're flowing. We're flowing through. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to have that flow. Of <laughs> well, and two, the thing to remember also is our body is constantly trying to stay in like a homeostasis yeah and our emotions release different hormones in the body like if we thought about a horrible event in our life right now we would get that feeling in our gut you know because our brain's like send in the adrenaline we need to respond in some way the same thing happens whenever we get into a depressive state is our body and our mind actually think that that's our new norm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a momentous kind of gravity. I think also this part of me is just like convinced that like seasonal depression is actually just capitalism's fault and like like we shouldn't actually have to be as active. I think we should hibernate. Yeah, we're in such a I think we should be hibernating. It's not my fault that I don't really want to walk. That's good, though. I mean, that's affirmational. <laughs> I mean, you don't don't let it, you know, take over. Given the fact that you Capital. are living in this this 
you know, society where things are unnatural and yeah, yeah. and it's fucking exhausting. You know, what can I do with that? I, but externalizing, that's not my fault. Yeah. That can be healthy because you're not yeah. blaming yourself for that at least. Right. Yeah, everyone's fucking tired. Everyone has to actually fucking work. The 99% are fucking yeah. tired. Yeah, um, for sure. No, but it goes both ways. So once you... once we change the chemical balances that are happening. Like when we go work out, we have a lot of adrenaline and we have all these different chemical responses that yeah. happen that are much different than a depressive chemical totally. state, you yeah. know? And so that is kind of one of the reasons why physical fitness is one of the best things you can totally. do. For yeah. it's, it is actually the most effective, effective antidepressant. Antidepressant oh, more than crazy. more than any medication. Imagine moving a body that can the be combination. moved. Yeah, obviously, yeah, totally. so crazy to me. So that the good thing is the brain and the body kind of go either way you point it. So, but just know it's not about you. And it, getting it's an just, accountability buddy might help. Yeah. You know, somebody who's gonna ride with you at a certain yeah. time and they're gonna fucking I think show up the, and you're gonna the have to go. The problem is also just like my partner is also really depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Sad that's hard yeah maybe you could maybe you could talk them into doing like a yoga video on YouTube or something yeah, with maybe. the coffee table out <laughs> yeah alright so we hope you enjoyed that content and her interview she was really sweet to talk to mm-hmm. or yeah I don't think they disclose pronouns so we try to default they them but yeah right. sometimes we just, yeah, um, but they were really, really sweet to talk to um, and vulnerable. So I appreciate that. There's a lot going on. There's so much going on in all these interviews. Um, right. So this one in particular does talk about um, some seasonal depression. And, you know, I'm not a specialist when it comes to like depression and stuff like that. Um, but I do know some people get pretty sensitive about our outside environment, right? If our outside environment isn't welcoming or we don't think it's welcoming, we don't want to go outside. Yeah, and really um, seasonal affective disorder is generally attributed to less vitamin D. I mean, there's less light and, um, and of course, there are uh, chemical responses in our bodies that have to do with light. But direct mm-hmm. sunlight... Um, it, it's basically the, the synthesizer for vitamin D mm-hmm. in our bodies, and vitamin D is a precursor to serotonin. So there is um, a direct link between serotonin levels and um, exposure to sunlight. So right. That's one of the explanations for seasonal affective disorder. Thank you. It's also known as SAD. Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some – some seasonal stuff going on that I think is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they have a partner who is also pretty much in the same um, situation, not really wanting to be active, not really wanting to do anything and go. Um, and they're aware of the cycle as well, too. So, like, they are aware of this cycle um, and they know that working out would help them feel better. And it's amazing as a trainer how many people like people know like yeah I should be active mm-hmm. you know if I want to lose five pounds three pounds people know pounds. a lot of things they don't do right you know, there is there's a disconnect between our somatic 
beingness and mm-hmm. our cognitive beingness. Right. Yeah. Um, and it sounded like in the clip that I was being very, like, and it's hard not to be general about this topic because there's a scientific way of explaining kind of what's going on in the body and that's what, and in the brain. And that's what I was explaining about not blaming herself because that's what happens mm-hmm. is people, when they're not doing something that they think is important to themselves, then they create a reason why they're not doing something. Um, and the reasons could be valid. I mean, the reason could be mm-hmm. like, I legit don't feel good today and I'm not going to do this. Or, um, I don't know, uh, my meeting ran over, so I don't have time to go over here. Right. Um, it's Saturday. Like I named some stuff off during the interview and we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we don't do something or why we do do something. But to sit and twirl that around in an, in a nonstop cycle, there's there's a, some things going on there. The brain is going to reconfigure your reality to make you see and perceive things that you believe. So she believes that, or they believe that capitalism is probably why we're not hibernating in um, winter, which could possibly be true, you know. Um, but there's also there's all of these reasons why they've given um, for not being active that they mm-hmm. truly believe, right? Yeah, so I'm seeing some internalization and some externalization going mm-hmm. on. And oftentimes, um, folks who tend to internalize, it's actually really healthy for them to externalize. So that element of shame behind, like, I know I should, but mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Um, that element of shame is probably alleviated to some extent by at least identifying some sort of external cause of of the situation, which is, I believe, accurate. Right. And that's what I said at the end of the interview. I was like, but no, it's not you. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that it's not you. You're not doing anything that's literally the fact that you're not in a habit. And the reason why it's like that is because the brain is used to you being inactive, right? Yeah, it there's like a momentum a homeostasis. or gravity, homeostasis. There's yeah. a homeostasis that it meets, and it's like, this is our norm. Mm-hmm. So they've created a norm which is trying to play out every day, right? And the brain will find reasons and or um, situations to replay that same video over and over and over. And anything that's different, the brain's going to be hesitant for. Mm-hmm. Any idea of something different, the brain's going to be hesitant for. There's also chemical things that go on in the back end, which is probably a feeling of what people feel when they are depressed. That feeling, you get an emotional feeling yeah. from stuff. Those are chemicals that are released in the body. Yeah, and, and literal energies. Um, mm-hmm. The electricity in the brain is more concentrated in certain areas of the brain. I, I could speak to right. that in a minute. Absolutely, and the brain gets into a pattern of firing those specific chemicals and those specific things in a cycle in a repetitive way, right? And that's yeah, why Yeah, and it, can... it's a survival response to do that. It just takes right. more energy to shift gears as yeah. a metaphor right? Um, rather than maintain kind of the, the devil you know homeostasis. That's like you Right. Said. Yeah, it's just and you find that... more energetically taxing. And you find this, and I've, I've, I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but you find this, and I hate to use this, as an example, but I feel like it is a clearest example to use. But when you see 
um, people who are in um, abusive situations. Like, mm-hmm. let's give an example for of a woman who is getting abused at home by her husband or partner, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, why don't you leave? Why Why are you still here? Don't you understand? And it's logically, yes, yeah, she does. Or they do understand that this isn't a safe situation. But the idea of change could be so different that the brain will figure out how to stay in that unfortunate Mm -hmm. homeostasis, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that, what I was trying to explain, and I don't know if, if I over explain things or under explain things, but it's not the individual, it's the pattern that you have to disrupt immediately. If you can understand that it's not you, there is nothing innately wrong with you as an individual that, oh, I should be running or should be doing this, I should be doing that. It is literally that your brain is not used to this happening in a, in a habitual way, mm-hmm. you know? And if you can just, like I said, go to the gym and sit there for five minutes every Tuesday at 2 o'clock and build, you have to interrupt your, your yourself. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, when it comes to the neurobiology of that, it it does take a willingness, right? And it, and that does take energy. So there are times mm-hmm. when, you know, I'm not going to say that everybody can immediately choose to decide to shift that pattern. I think that there are just varying degrees of kind of immobility that go along with depression mm-hmm. for different people. But, um, but ultimately, that is what it takes. Ultimately, there in any moment where you can muster a little bit more mm-hmm. energy, um, shifting the, the habitual patterns is a great idea. But um depression is it's a survival response so you might have heard of fight flight freeze Mm -hmm. and in fight or flight we've got all this energy concentrated in the middle of our brain or our limbic system which is our emotional processing apparatus if you will um and that's activating so you know we hear we hear somebody screaming down the block Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we get uh, this kind of fight or flight thing, which initiates like adrenaline, norepinephrine, Mm -hmm. um, cortisol release, that sort of stuff. So we get activated. Um, When our desire to fight, fight or flee, and I'm, I'm talking about unconscious desire, when our or at least that instinct toward fight or flight is Mm -hmm. thwarted when we can't fight or flee, Mm -hmm. we go into a shutdown state. So, um, the shutdown state is, you know, it's like the deer in the headlights or playing possum or Mm -hmm. if you've ever like stomped next to a lizard and they just like freeze, right. That like, it's a survival response. It's like a shutdown, um, death threat response. Right. And humans do this too. And the reason why is because it slows down our heart rate, um, slows down our respiratory rate, etc. So Because it, we know we can't fight or flee. Yeah, so it it actually right. um it actually makes it more likely that any predator is gonna think that we're already dead and not wanna kill us. And it also is a painkiller. It's also a natural analgesic. So people who have habitually been in situations that they can't fight or flee, for instance, maybe you're a child in a home where you have overbearing, controlling, even abusive parents, but you can't get away from Mm -hmm. them or, you know, to get away from them would mean your death. So if you're three years old 
and you know your your parent or parents are horrifying to you you still can't run away or fight yeah. them right so some of us start to learn this stuff long before we're even really conscious like right. we're we we just start to habitually shut down because mm-hmm. we know that we can't fight or flee so um when that happens all of that energy that was in the limbic system or that emotional apparatus the midbrain goes into our hind brain, which is our brainstem and our cerebellum. And that's kind of the lizard brain. So if in reverse order, the mm. brainstem cerebellum is lizard brain. That means, you know, evolutionarily that developed, you know, long, long, long before this mammalian brain in the middle, which is that emotional apparatus. And then we got a prefrontal cortex, you mm. know, some millions or billions of years later, uh, so that's our thinking brain. Okay. But that when we're depressed, we're in that hind brain, we're in that death threat response, um, and we're immobilized. Right. And what it takes to get out of that, and also our prefrontal cortex, that thinking brain, is our social connection brain too. Um, so in order to really get back to life, which is that being able to think and socially engage, we actually have to go through that limbic system. We have to go through activation, which is one it's reason true. why exercise is so immensely helpful in depression. I love, yeah, I love that you're saying that. And part of me telling my clients to get to the gym, even if it's for five minutes, I know they're going to be activated. But you have to generate that physiological thing first and then, and then grow from there. But that's very true. That's very true. It has to, you have to kind of be like reactivated and to be like, oh, okay, I'm here. I am again. Now what? Am I going to go forward or am I going to go back to it? You know, and yeah, and that is one thing that I love about health and fitness. There's so many things with being healthy or living a healthy and active lifestyle that you can't really get anywhere else. You know, like the the conscious decision to go into a place daily and put your body through physical stress. Mm-hmm whether you're doing dance fit or yoga or something that you love, it's still physical stress that you're deciding to do. You're the tolerance for things that are difficult is higher. Yeah. Um, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that happen. And we were going into it a little bit more about, um, that fitness, like working out and eating good was like the number one, um, underused tool for, fighting depression. Yeah. it's uh, So exercise is shown to be more effective than antidepressants. And this, I want to be really, really clear that I am a proponent for medication for people who have, um, you know, significantly distressing depression, myself included. <laughs> um, and uh, but and me, and at me. the same time, the studies that they've done, if post-exercise, so an hour after exercise or whatever intensive exercise, people's uh, scores when they're doing like symptoms, ratings, assessments, that sort of thing are, um, they're lower for depression than even after taking a month or so of different antidepressant medications. So it's what I'm a proponent of is the combination Mm -hmm. um, of therapy because therapy is important too. We, we do need to address some of these like negative thoughts about ourselves, negative thoughts about life that are not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts and beliefs, you know, are usually, it's usually helpful to challenge thoughts and beliefs yeah. that are, 
reinforcing our depression. So I'm talking about therapy. I'm talking, and, and I actually am a bigger fan of somatic therapy. So that's really bringing your attention into the body with that intention of getting out of that, out of that kind of brainstem, yeah. that hindbrain yes. into activation. And I just think that it's sort of a, a great trifecta for depression. Mm-hmm. Depression treatment would be like medication management, counseling, and exercise. And like food that, too, for sure. Well, yeah, nutrition, of course. Yeah, nutrition is super, super important. And it kind of plays off of that vitamin D thing. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not going out and getting sun, if you're not getting the correct amount of nutrients, and those are called micros. Our macros are carbs, protein, and fat, like what you would talk about, like Hey, bro, what's your macros? I don't know why I'm making that voice, but that's what I hear when, like, a meathead's all, well, what's your macros? Like, how many pro- grams of protein are you eating? Um, those are carbs, protein, and fats, but our micros um, are uh, our vitamins. Yeah, vitamins, minerals. Mm-hmm. And our minerals. Some Our minerals, if our minerals are messed up, we can act all kinds of crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it really messes us up, so... It's important to be active, but I also believe that we are one with nature and I don't believe that we should be as active in the winter as we actually are. Yeah, there's something to be said about that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not really natural for primates to be just as active in these shorter days as they are in the longer days and in the days where it's taxing physically to be outside. We have to work really hard to stay warm. Um, yeah, versus, mm-hmm. you know, when we're charged up in the summer and totally there's, you know, the whole natural world around us has these, uh, seasonal shifts that they observe and mm-hmm. respect and humanity kind of thinks we're immune or, um, That's at least true. the powers that be and, you know, enough humans believe that we need to just keep going at the same pace and yeah, it doesn't feel in accordance with nature. No, I agree. I agree with that. So there is some, there is some things to be said about that. I mean, there are shorter days. Like we Mm -hmm. literally have less time in the day and we're required to complete the same amount of ideas and thoughts and work and stuff. And so that can be tiring too, because it's almost like we're running double time. Yeah. You know, just our normal days. So, but you know, getting out there, it sounds really, really, really simplified, but just the, just the act of the opposite of what you're doing is truly the biggest thing that people can do. And it's hard to muster that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's other things going on um, that yeah. can prevent people from doing stuff like that. But just know it's not you and it's really just patterns and cycles that the brain has attached itself to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can even start moving from a dissociative state. So uh, when you're in that kind of um, high brain shut down, like pain, death response, mm-hmm. depression, really, um, you are in a dissociated state. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to actually be present in the moment when you're in that state. You're kind of in this uh, barely there state. So even if you can, from that state, get your body moving, the clarity will, will come, the energy will come. Mm-hmm. But the the physical movement or at least awareness of your physical form can be immensely helpful in getting out of that depressive momentum. Just to be mindful in, 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 in the situation. And also when we work out, our body is pumped with the, uh, 
oxygen. We're breathing mm-hmm. hard in and out. So we're getting this huge oxygen amount of intake. Our muscles are contracting and releasing. Or we're pushing and pulling blood all over the body. So there is a high that's going on. Oh, yeah. And the in, endogenous opioids, also known as endorphins. But mm-hmm. those are opioids. Yeah. I mean, they're... Because they're you're body. physically going through things. So your body's like, we have to be able to deal with this. So it starts mm-hmm. pushing all these happy... Yeah, we oh, get more dopamine, mm-hmm. um, and that's the norepinephrine and, and cortisol, and we get more endorphins, our endogenous opioids. So sure as hell makes us feel better when we do right. move. Yeah, it really, really does make us feel better. Um, but you all know that. It's, I mean, and that's kind of... But I that's think true. just thinking about it and reminding ourselves of these things can help keep it mm-hmm. in the forefront of our brain and facilitate more of that willingness to just kind of push through... Mm-hmm. I always tell people if they're having a hard time just getting started about working out, just to do what you love, whatever it is. Like if you want to go and just get on the elliptical because you don't have to think about it and watch your favorite TV show or whatever, do that. If you yeah, like, to I go... never do cardio at the gym because I hate it. So I don't, yeah, my heart rate doesn't usually get that high at the gym, but, but I yeah. go to the gym because I do what I like to do. I, I'm not like, mm-hmm. fuck, I have to go to the gym and do all this. If I, if I made myself do cardio at the gym, I'd probably never go. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like, well, I guess I have to run four miles. I guess I can only eat a salad, I guess. And so yeah. we start to talk about all this stuff that it really is, you know, the, the um, fitness industry is a trillion dollar industry and they make a lot of money confusing the fuck out of people about health and fitness and it's and I won't simplify it too much here but it really is like just do what you love Mm -hmm. doing don't go in and think that you have to be there at four in the morning if you're not a morning person (laughs) or think that you have to go immediately start lifting heavy or like drink a gallon of water like if that's not feasible for you if that's not what your life can give you at that moment and it doesn't sound good you have to really be like, okay, who am I and what works for me? And that's what I do with my clients. I'm like, who are you? What are you trying to do? And what works for you? Because too much change is not going to stick, you know? So it has to be something that is easily applied. Yeah, and those small incremental changes, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we change our habits. Right. And Well, not only that, but it has to be a good connection. Like, people... Imagine, like, if you don't want to go do something and then you go do something and it's a bad experience. You're like, fuck it. I'm never going to do that again. This is why I don't do it, you know? Yeah. So that first thing that you're not So you go and you try to deadlift, like, 300 pounds and you pull muscle in your bag and you're like, fuck the gym. I'm never going back there. Yeah. (laughs) That that place is dangerous, you know? (laughs) Um, But so it has to be good, too. So there's things, like, I have clients Mm -hmm. who come in who have not been active for years and now are suffering from the side effects of being obese. And I know in the back of my head, if I do something that, um, not that it's all me, I know it's not all me, it's not all my responsibility for their um, journey, but it is very important that this first little introduction for them in that journey is a happy one. Yeah, yeah. You know, so make sure you have your therapist, make sure you have your medication, make sure you have a good support team and you have guidance, um, to, to live a healthy lifestyle because it isn't easy in all forms, you know? Yeah. So when, when you said, you know, have a therapist, uh, 
I don't know why the thought occurred to me, but I just, um, when I have been at my most depressed in my life and I've had a therapist, I feel like the most helpful thing that came out of therapy for me is actually making life change. That was hard to make. Like Mm -hmm. I was miserable at my job or there was Mm -hmm. this interpersonal dynamic that I just felt really stuck in and didn't know how to set a boundary there or something. So all of those things can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're, if we're talking about kind of the unnatural expectations of capitalism, um, you know, working with somebody who can help facilitate life change uh, so that your life's a little more in balance, at, at least, or you're mm-hmm. always um, trying to get closer and closer to a more balanced place, at least, is super helpful. And, and life right. coaching as well. Mm-hmm. You're really motivational, probably more than I am. <laughs> I'm all, it's not you, it's your brain. Um <laughs> But life coaching, you know, definitely different strokes for different folks, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever works. And that's why um, both of us are employed, right? Is because different people need different things or all the things. Because you can have a life coach and a a therapist and a personal trainer if you want. Um, But I think it is wise to have support. And this is something that um, I've always kind of white knuckled my life going through, right? So for me to be here and be like, yeah, you kind of need support. It's for me to say that verbally, I see like a full circle for myself, but I remember listening to a podcast, um, and I, it was a really, really good point that she had made in the podcast. And she was like, this was a podcast about, um, witchcraft and stuff like that. And so she was like, why would you go? and walk with your demons alone you know Mm. and that made so much sense to me like I would put on a crystal like if I was going to go walk around with my demons all the stuff that is hard to look at things that are hard to change um then I would have a crystal I would probably like you know give myself some type of cleansing or protection bath Mm -hmm. or whatever before I went into this situation because I know I would know that it would be difficult, you know, and it really truly is that way. Like you don't have to go through this hard, dark stuff alone. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that are are out there that can help. Um, And it sounds Mm -hmm. really simple to just change it. Like I said, we know it's not, but we do know that. Right. We do know. And I just want, I hope that what I do say helps people just kind of understand what's going on in the body that they don't really have control of. Right. That's, you know, working in substance abuse or substance use is a better term. Um, that's something that comes up a lot with people who are new in recovery, um, who are just like, oh, I got this. Like, I, I figured it out. I know that I don't want to use, so I'm done. Yeah. And what they, what they aren't really aware of, and I have to help people you know, become aware of and and stay really diligent about is that the impulse to drink is not, it's not a thought. It's not in your prefrontal cortex. It's in these deeper parts of your brain that rule kind of emotion and survival response. It's in our body. It's in the trauma. It's the pathway like, oh, I'm stressed. I go to a substance. It's just so hardwired. It's grooved in like the Grand Canyon and your new coping skills and, you know, they're not as strong. So you've got to stay super diligent because the cravings are going to come. First time you get in an argument with somebody or the first time, you know, this or that happens, people are shocked and often relapse because they think they have it just because they they get it. Mm -hmm. It's clear in their mind in that moment. But yeah, you it's not it's not like a thinking thing. It's built into every wire in your body and brain. It is, you know, and I, it was funny cause I was, I wish I had my notebook. So I'm going to pre, I'm going to 
is it called suffix suffix preface 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 <laughs> I'm gonna preface my own uh, my own notes that I jotted down in the notebook that I don't have so um everybody I think it said something about like everybody is addicted to what was it everyone is addicted I'm gonna find my notebook and then the next episode I'm gonna bring it <laughs> because it's a really good point but it's like everyone's addicted to our we're all addicted to hormones literally mm-hmm. but what is sure. the source that we're getting our hormones from because when we use there's a reason why we use there's a chemical response that the brain does it's the same thing when when we have joy if we go to disneyland the brain realizes almost the same exact thing right yeah it's often very uh similar if not parallel um chemical responses endogenous versus exogenous i don't know if that's right coming from within or coming from without they still stimulate the same chemicals in our own brains right Right. and so it's like what is our source Mm -hmm. just because somebody is using drugs or alcohol for their chemical source it doesn't it's the same thing as somebody using going to the movies all the time for a chemical yeah, source or, or gambling or, or shopping gambling, right. or gaming or, right. or porn or yeah all sorts of things all sorts of things mm-hmm. that people can get but it's just like what is the source but we all are all addicted to our emotions and we're trying to maintain a high level I feel like of emotion on a regular basis you know what I mean like I was I was thinking about I'll find my notebook and I'll and I'll bring it in um but it was just like we're all still we're all running towards the same thing in different ways yeah we're all trying to be happy yeah you know I was like maybe happy is not the right word but I do think we're all uh, wired to strive for joy or contentment. Mm-hmm. And speaking of contentment, serotonin is the chemical of contentment. So, you know, a lot of people think it's like the happy hormone, and it's it's actually really not. It's contentment. It's mm-hmm. satisfaction. It's feeling safe mm-hmm. and content and normal. Um, but one thing that a lot of people, including a lot of doctors, do not know is that there are different serotonin receptors that do different things in our body and mind and different SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors affect different uh, serotonin receptors. So some are some uh, processes in our body that, that use serotonin are excitatory and some are inhibitory. So some are basically sedating and some are stimulating. Mm -hmm. So there are different SSRIs do different things. And uh, you know, a lot of doctors just kind of do the like shot in the dark, <laughs> like, oh, you, that didn't work. Let's try this, that. Let's try this, that. And uh, in my own life, I've had to really research and advocate and find what works for me. Um, one of my parents is a psychiatrist. So this is the sort of thing that I've been like conscious of. I did not know of. that. Yeah. My stepmom. Okay. Um, but growing up, you know, I, I was always <sighs> thinking about these things. So I think I was kind of primed for like being curious about neurochemistry, but um, even a lot of doctors don't know this stuff, you know, when it comes to pharmaceuticals, they just kind of like, you know, they're advertised to it's their and, sales rep. Yeah. And I'm sure their sales rep doesn't yeah, know any of reps. that either. 
Yeah, probably often not, Ugh. right? We just they look at the studies and the outcomes, but not always the mechanisms of action. Um, but there are a number of different types of antidepressant medications, tricyclic and non-traditional ones. So anyway, um, medication, but also there are other treatments like electroconvulsive therapy or transcranial magnetic stimulation, um, and some people have seen really good results with those. And I'm not necessarily recommending that for just anybody, but I just want you to know that there's hope. So if there's stuff that you haven't tried, there is hope. And if there's, if you feel like you've tried it all, you probably still haven't. So keep yeah. reaching out for help. And there is um, now the National uh, Suicide and Crisis Hotline. The number is just 988. So just call 988 if you're really, really struggling to and get some support. That's awesome that it's yeah. three digits. That totally makes sense. Yeah. 988. Um, yeah. If anybody, you know, feels like they're, they are at the point where there is nothing that's working, please just reach out one last, one more time. We always just reach out again. Yeah. Um, I have, no, I have known people who were just, you know, acutely suicidal for, for weeks and months on end, um, just anhedonia. So no pleasure mm-hmm. out of anything in life, just kind of walking around like a zombie, mm-hmm. living dead, trying one thing after another, who finally found something that worked for him and their life just turned around. They've been great for years. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. So there's hope. There is absolutely. Um, and find good support. Yeah. And I think, um, I think I'll finish with this part too, that the, the, uh, their partner too was kind of in the same state. So it can be really difficult when you're, you're the other person in the house is also, um, in that same cycle with you. Mm-hmm. to kind of have to co- climb yourself out and possibly help your partner too. Um, so just having good support is really, really, really important mm-hmm. for you and your partner to get up and go outside. So, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add? Well, I was just thinking, you know, you're referring to uh, this person's partner, and I think that that came up in the conversation when we were talking about, like, having an accountability buddy, like, Mm -hmm. uh, and that being a little extra motivating for getting out and doing something. Yeah. Um, And I just wanted to share, for me, one of the things I do is I save my favorite podcast (laughs) for for a run or the gym. Yeah. So I'm like, I won't. I won't listen to it until I'm working out. And so that works for me as a reward system sometimes. I love that. And you, yeah, and there's so much, so many other things. People can, um, reward systems are great because truly we don't do any, something for nothing. Mm-hmm. Most people have motives for all actions. Um, and so maybe saving up money to go at the end of the week and go shopping for yourself if you go to the gym for the set amount of times that you were going to, or, um, having your favorite dinner at the end of the week, if you go to the gym or, um, yeah, letting your, for me, it's a soy mocha. Soy mocha. At a a drive-through coffee place. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's kind of, well, you know, when I, when I do need it, I'm like, you know what? I deserve a treat. Yeah. So, yeah, you, anything that works, if it works for you to, um, to have that reward system, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have a, and I always find like having something that's measurable is important too, because people will kind of go to the gym and they'll be like, okay, it's been a week or two and nothing's changing. Like what's going on? So 
having some type of way to measure progress is good. Like not doesn't have to be on a scale or in any way um, related to how much you weigh, but maybe you were able to do one full push up after yeah, three weeks. Yeah, strength is a good measure. Maybe how you're sleeping, mm-hmm. how, how you're, you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are milestones that are important to hold on to while you know it, you're waiting for change if that's what you're trying to get out of going to the gym but how you're feeling um how you're sleeping if you're able to walk a quarter mile in the beginning and then walk a third of a mile in three weeks there's progress yeah. everywhere too so yeah honoring your progress yeah focusing um, on things you can celebrate mm-hmm yeah, I could really, I could go into the whole like CBT DBT stuff, but that's maybe that's just a whole another ball game. That's probably a whole. But do check your thinking. Game. Notice your thinking. Yeah. Metacognition is thinking about your thinking. Practice metacognition and do thought stopping and challenge those those thoughts that are just really not helping you out. And yeah, I love that. And pay, yeah, pay attention to what's repetitively coming up for you. In um in your thoughts because they're there to reinforce something possibly unconscious for you. So yeah, thoughts reflect beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reinforce beliefs to become beliefs. Mm-hmm. And and that's another way of just interrupting that pattern. If you're like, oh, I'm not active right now, instead of literally just saying like, I'm an active motherfucker. Like literally saying the mm-hmm. opposite of what your norm is will also put you through that um yeah incorporating it into your identity mm-hmm. like um, I remember I didn't start I'm an adult onset athlete I didn't start working out until I was, I was 26 <laughs> I mean I hate I couldn't run the mile ever as a kid like he was miserable like just I didn't <laughs> exercise until I was 26 and I just decided to but I signed up for one of those couch to 5k things and um that's Some, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the midst of that training, I started saying to people, I'm a runner. Or I was asked, like, oh, do you run or something? Um, because I was hanging out with a lot of really active people at the time. And just to say, like, yeah, I run. I'm a runner. And to incorporate that into my identity felt really empowering. And yeah. I think it just reinforces. Like, I, I run. I'm a runner still to this day. And I'm a lot older than that now. Right. And that's, I mean, and those are things that... A lot of when I'm with my clients, I deal with a lot of these verbal belief systems that they're telling me. Yeah, you like, know? like I'm fat, I'm slow, oh, I'm I can't lazy. Do this. I guess I'm just I'm... lazy. I haven't lost any weight, and I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. It's yeah. literally a habit that we just have to really get mastered. Um, but uh, it is to own an identity is really important, and that's also what the person in the interview was doing. Like, yeah, I guess this is just what we're doing. Like, when you own it and you say that, the brain and the body just believe it. And they follow suit. We're going to feel like that and we're going to keep believing and thinking like that, you know. But saying, even if it's so radical and you're like, that's not what I do now and blah, 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 blah. Like, I know it, but just entertain us. Like, just say the opposite for a second. Because when you own something, the brain's like, oh, what are we doing now? Like... Yeah, even just imposing those thoughts can shift our beliefs, which is why mm-hmm. affirmations are so effective. You know, looking right. in the mirror and being like, damn, you're one sexy motherfucker. Yeah. You know, that just, it makes us feel sexy. And the more we feel sexy, the more that's what we exude mm-hmm. and the more 
other people interact with us in a certain mm-hmm. way, and it, it affects your reality for sure. Yeah, it does. Your thoughts affect it, and you just have to, you really just have to muster it up to be like, you're a bad bitch. <laughs> so if nobody's told you today, all of you are bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Remember that. Y'all's a bunch of bad bitches. Yeah. Badass bitches. That's what you said. I was like, bad bitches. I don't know. I almost said bad bitches, but I don't know if everybody wants to be called a bitch. I, I have to realize that. Not everybody wants to be called a bitch. I'm calling you all bitches. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say, because we we just mentioned, some people's goal is to lose weight, and I support Mm -hmm. them in that. But I just wanted to um, acknowledge that I really value and believe in body positivity and and fit at any size, Mm -hmm. and I'm really fat positive. And I just want to mention that because... You know, that's definitely not everybody's goal. It's not necessarily a, a good goal to have, but it could be for you, um, but not necessarily for everybody. No, it's not for everybody. And I've seen so many goals come through for so many different reasons. Uh, and oftentimes it's not about weight loss, you know. Um, some people just want to be able to pick up a bag of dog food off the floor because they're at the age now where all their kids have moved out and they have to do it by themselves or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? When I was 26 and I started working out, I got a personal trainer. It was one of those, like, 50% off at the mm-hmm. gym January 1st or whatever, mm-hmm. like, 10 sessions. And my goal at that time was just to feel comfortable in the gym. I th- It was just, like, mm-hmm. be- being on, like, another planet for me. Like, I did. Yeah. I felt so... Um, and you know, like I just had no idea it felt so uncomfortable and foreign to me being yeah. in a gym, all this equipment. I don't even know what to do with dumbbells or, mm-hmm. you know, and so that was my goal just to feel comfortable. To get comfortable. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. I have another client who, um, would go and do the machines, you know, and like, but they've been doing the same routine and the same 15 reps at the same weight. Um, your body has to go through a different stress to change. So if you're in a place where you're plateaued, you're not going to change unless you change something drastically. You're physically not going to change unless you change some type of the program. And so her stuff was like, I've never used free weights before. And so that's all that we did, you know, nothing to do with uh, weight loss. So, yeah, of course, if that is your goal, then you know, pursue it. But that's my, my goal is like, I, I do the same shit at the gym every single time of the same thing, <sighs> but that's fine because I go to the gym. Mo- I mean, I do, I definitely appreciate feeling physically good, but it's really a huge part of my mental health care routine. It's, you know, I, if I go in and I do the same shit with the same amount of weight, um, it still helps me feel consistently better. So, you know, yeah. And there's another thing too, that's going on is the act of showing up for yourself is massive. I think, um, going to the gym, um, or choosing to be active, even if it's outside or at your home, choosing to be active and saying, I'm going to do this at this time and actually showing up for yourself where you're a top priority in your life and that you know that this is important for you and you show up and follow through with that. It, um, you become more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word where somebody can rely, rely, you become more reliable to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You're more accountable to yourself. Integrity. Yeah. And, um, and you're your own best friend. Like you gotta be, you're the only motherfucker who's going to go through this entire life with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you are closest with you out of anybody. So you deserve to have a good relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. You should be able to, well, should I, I'm going to 
I'm going <laughs> to um, use a different word, but it can be really helpful and really healthy to be able to rely on mm-hmm. yourself, to know that you're going to take care of yourself. And do what you said you're going to do yeah, for yourself, too. you know. You believe yourself. I, would, I always tell my clients, too, that uh, working out or being active and eating healthy are really the two biggest forms of self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, people think self-care is like getting your nails done or making taking sure a bubble bath. taking a bubble bath <laughs> or doing a detox or anything like that. But it's like, what are you putting in your body every day, every yeah. single day, multiple times a day that you literally cannot live without? Um, and what are you doing with your body every day? Yeah. You, know. Set, you really helped me acknowledge. So when I, I was having all this like hip and lower back pain and, um, and Stephanie kind of did this like, prof- like a specific professional, um, stretch practice that mm-hmm. she's you know, certified in and, um, helped me realize that just the position that I sit in when I'm at work, just that kind of, you know, for hours a day, five days mm-hmm. a week in this certain like angle was really affecting so anyway, you helped me be really conscious of just my positions. So now mm-hmm. so I started shifting my position, you know, um, raising and lowering my chair and standing up. And, um, yeah, so that even that, you know, yeah. was really helpful for and me. And people don't, they're really not aware of these repetitive things that they do all the time that really do affect us mm-hmm. in our body every day, you know, which is great because then, and that's what I was saying in the video or in the interview is that, it goes both ways, right? So the little things that we do every day can affect us in a painful way. Yeah. Like the way that you were sitting like, can really add up, because it's every day all the time, to a significant experience or a significant noticeable thing, right? But the, the same is true for a positive thing, that little things do add up. You know, the rule, that law is equal on both sides. You know, it's just where are you pushing? What's the momentum? Where is it going? I found, um, I mean, dietarily, I've done a couple of things. One is like eating a high fiber diet. I found, Mm. I I mean, my body, my entire beingness feels so much better because my system's just, you know, cleansing more. Mm -hmm. And then uh, high iron, I found was really Mm. helpful in supporting my mood too. I've always had the kind of a slight anemia, especially like right around my period. Right. Um, it gets worse, but yeah, just that high iron, I eat a shit ton of dark chocolate and spinach and other high, high iron foods, iron rich foods, Mm -hmm. um, intentionally pumpkin seeds. And I eat red meat, which I'm not advocating for necessarily, but it's helpful and healthy for me. Um, and that's a, that's a good ex- example. Like whatever is healthy and good for you is different what's, than what's good for somebody else. So when we right. read articles and we see all this stuff out there and we try to copy it, but it's not applicable because there's not a co- copy-paste way of treating people. No, you're, you're right. Absolutely. There's not. And that's where that um, interoception, so looking within ourselves or being somatically mm. aware, really noticing ourselves our own process that self-awareness mm-hmm. that's, you know like for people who have uh, eating disorders what's the really the only treatment that actually works is um, intuitive eating it's really um, learning to follow your body's guidance and you start to even crave specific foods that are healthy if you you know if you expose your body to it enough then you do start craving those things even if you think you hate them like oh asparagus whatever yeah but uh, I need vitamin K, so I start to crave it, right? The body, if we listen, 
the body's going to tell us yeah. a lot of stuff if we do listen. Yeah, that intuitive eating is so important for sure. But, I mean, this is a conversation that can go on and on and on. Yeah, we could. We could yeah. Well, we'll continue to, to nerd out um, outside of this recording, but <laughs> we'll get back to you soon with another episode. And yeah. uh, hopefully this is was helpful if you're struggling with some seasonal affective disorder or depression this time of year. Do get help if you are really, really suffering, if you've got suicidal ideation, that sort of thing. 988 is a good place to start. Um, yeah, anything from you, Steph? No, I just think, you know, making sure that you have good support, reaching out. Um, there's a lot of cool Facebook groups out there that are free that you can kind of try to find support. Hopefully it's good support, but, um, there's so much out there. So just, you know, reach out and, uh, do what you can today. Even if you don't think it's enough, just step outside for three minutes and walk back. Just mm-hmm. disrupt yourself. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Even if you got to start from that dissociative state, just the movement itself will help kind of um, get you back into a more conscious state. It will. And spring is on its way. So spring is bringing spring. spring. Is <laughs> still, it's not sprung yet, but it's, it's still mid January. But you know, <laughs> we're we're springing. Go with it. I know, right? <laughs> all right. Till next time, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Way of the Femme. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to know more about us and the services we offer, or if you'd like to know more about the show, check us out on Instagram. My profile is amygordon1985. And I'm Stephanie underscore Caradegua, spelt C-A-R-R-O-D-E-G-U-A underscore coaching. If you have questions, feedback, or want anonymous advice on your situation, email us at thewayofthefem at gmail.com.